The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to Drinking Bros, presented by GhostBed.com. Sit back, relax, and grab a fucking drink. Yeah, welcome to Drinking Bros, kids. Uh, D'Anthony, we got one of the best in the biz on the show today. One of the best of all time. Of all time, yeah. and I, I feel like we're <coughs> beneath her. We're losers. I don't, I don't know what she's doing here. Yeah, she made that very abundantly clear before the show started. Sure today. did. She, like super, it was almost like Jennifer Lopez style. Like, I've got a list of demands. <laughs> yeah, she had a rider that was very lengthy, yeah. and I was like, I'm not doing that, Michelle. I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. For some reason, she wants to be referred to as T-Dog. Oh, T-Dog. That's right. Yeah. I forgot. That's the first one, because we've got Michelle Tafoya on the show today, kids, but she wants to go by T-Dog. T-Dog, how are you? Good to see you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, You will be hearing a dog in the background from time to time. That is not T-Dog. That is not me. It is Jersey, the 10-month-old pup that we have who um, is very needy for attention. Sure, yeah, because a lot of people obviously know you from uh, uh, being one of the most or the most famous sideline reporter of all time, but they don't know that you're also into dog fighting and you're currently training some dogs (laughs) for an event down in Virginia Beach this weekend. Totally kidding. What do you got there? What kind of dogs do you have there? Are they cute or are they not? I just have one. Oh, he's darling. He's a mini Labradoodle. He's very funny and very cute. Uh, but there are dogs uh, in the yards around us, and whenever he sees one, or if the mail gets delivered, he goes bananas. So it's you know it is what it is. What makes him so funny? Does he do like Christopher Walken impressions? Or yeah, he does. <laughs> um, he can moonwalk. No, he's what makes him funny. He's just got this way about him. He loves people. He will he will run up to everyone and just kind of dance around, and and he's just I don't know. It's hard to put a finger on exactly what it is. It's his face. You know, sort of like you see certain comedians and they don't have to say a word and you just laugh. That's kind of how this dog is. Stupid, sure. stupid fucking face. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. stupid faces. That's My dogs are like that. Yeah. I, I'll, I like seriously, I get baked at night and just watch them fucking fight each other. Yeah, me. that's all oh, Dan does for hours and hours yeah. and hours. I bet. It's really um, funny. You got a new podcast out here, Sideline Sanity with Michelle Tafoya. Um, yep. You have a crazy story because... Uh, in my opinion, you had the best gig in the world, uh, mm-hmm. and then you decided to leave. Can you tell yeah. the audience why? Because I wanted to talk more. Um, really, it's so for several years now, I wanted to have a podcast on the side, and NBC said, you know, look, we don't want to invite any kind of controversy. So unless you're just talking sports, you know, we'd prefer that you wait. And I honored that because it's what I signed up for. And uh, they did not want a court controversy. They had in the past when Bob Costas took on an occasional topic that was maybe too political for some people. 
And they didn't want that. Look, Sunday Night Football is the hottest commodity that NBC has. And you want to keep that as shiny clean as possible. And I and I respected that and I got that. So I hung in for a few more years until we got through this Super Bowl. And then I said, it's now time for me to go speak my mind. And so it really was a unique opportunity to walk away under my own terms, which, uh, you know, is really uncommon in this business. So I'm mm-hmm. really grateful for that. And um, and it's what I want to do. I'm a, I'm a free speech person. I see it being chipped away at and it meant too much to me. And I just said, you know, it's screw it. Um, we can afford to do this now at this point in my life, and I'm going to go do a podcast and make a whole lot less money. Well, I think it's amazing because, yes, you, you had a lot of money there. Um, it's a great, <laughs> one of the greatest jobs of all time. And if you were my kid, I'd be like, what the hell are you doing? Um, <laughs> my agent said that to me. Yeah. my look, I, I've had that same conversation with my agent where he's like, what do you, what do you want to do? You want to do podcasts? <laughs> Good, good luck with that. Um, yeah. And then here we are. But uh, uh, eventually you've got to do something that makes you happy versus, you know, something like, uh, you know, for the sideline report, like you were saying, you've done it for so many years and everything else. I'm, I'm sure at a certain point you're kind of sleepwalking through it. The big games don't become the big games anymore for you uh, unless it's probably the Super Bowl, right? Hey, look, there were some big games. There were some great moments, some great opportunities. But yes, the more that I did it and the more that I was in Lambeau Field in December freezing <clears throat> and the more that I was, you know, just seeing how you got to work really, really hard when you're on Sunday Night Football or Monday Night Football. And I was working extremely hard, just as t- hard as Alan and Chris were. Mm-hmm. But my my airtime was like this, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not that I needed the airtime. Like, I I want to be part of the show. It's just that you feel kind of useless at a certain point. You feel as though you have so much more to give and you can't. And there's so much more bandwidth that just isn't getting tapped into. And so, you know, I, I had, look, I had one of the greatest jobs in the world. You're right. I got to cover Olympic games and the nba and the final four and you know the nfl and the super bowl but there are some things that are really important to me in this life and life doesn't go on forever and you've got to at a certain point evaluate reevaluate and decide what's more important and so this was more important how do you think <clears throat> we talk about this on the show sometimes uh herb street's a buddy of ours how the mm-hmm. fuck does he get all this work done I don't understand because it's, it's I've so been texting much, with him. So he's, much he's, preparation for any one it, of those jobs. Not only that, the amount of travel that he does. He's in doing a week. nine games this weekend, I think he said. Oh including including the oh, Thursday nine? night football game. I think he's doing nine games nine in different games. cities. Well, when you when you figure out that, you know, he's doing Thursday yep. and then he's gotta go to wherever game day is, right? And Saturday he's, morning. Well, he's probably doing game the game day. the USC game tonight too, you would think, right? Or oh, at least he's gonna oh, be yeah, that's right. It. USC that's Utah's possible. on tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is so it's insane. And I texted him and I said, How are you doing this? And he said, I'm just trying to, you know, keep a level head and stay positive. And and it it is nuts. When when NBC had not only Sunday night football, but for a while there, we had Thursday night as well. Al and Chris, I didn't have to do it, but Al and Chris had to do those two games every week. I thought they were all going to die. I thought they were going to die. They, every time they'd show up Sunday and I'm full of vim and vigor and they're like, how's it going? And it's just the, that amount of travel, the mileage, the amount of prep work, the film you're watching, the studying, all of it. People don't realize just how much goes into it. So I don't know how Kirk is, um, I don't know how he functions. Well, he's a younger guy. Al's 75 or 7 or some shit. Yeah, I mean, that, he had had it at that Denver yeah. game. Did you watch that Denver Colts game where it was 6-3? Oh, to three? 
He was over that job. I thought he was going to quit on air. <laughs> right around the fourth quarter, I was like, he's just going to walk right out of that booth and never come back. <laughs> well, someone said it to me. Al is a dear friend. And someone said to me, you know, it's like Secretariat doing pony rides. Mm. And, and it's a great analogy. <laughs> you know, he's he is he's the Secretariat of play-by-play. And, and that was a pony ride. Yeah, for sure. And then for your job in particular, because a lot of people don't know this, but Dan and I have been on the the sidelines for tons of these games, and we actually see what a sideline reporter goes through uh, minute on a minute by minute process throughout the game. And you know, the outside world doesn't get to see it because, like you said, they're only seeing the the couple minutes that you're on, whatever right. the story is, or whoever got hurt, or what the you know the halftime thing is. But you guys are all over the field yeah. checking on every single thing, taking notes, getting ready in case they do throw to you. Yeah. Then it, then it's it's all on you, and it's like, all right, great. What'd you learn throughout this game? Where were you? And that's kind of up to you. Um, yeah. It's not like somebody's poking and prodding you, making you go and do this. Uh, no. You're trying to make it as interesting as you can for the the short amount of time that you have on television. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them are pacing back and forth, wearing sneakers, you know, cutting all over the field or the courts yeah. In, yeah. in your case. Um, what was something big during your career that they didn't cut to you for? And you're like, dude, I could have told you this was going to happen. Oh gosh, too many to count. Um, you know, there were things, yeah, that 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 you just like sitting there going, please throw to me, please, please throw to me. <laughs> and then someone throws an interception. And it's you, that's that. It it, it just isn't going to happen. But uh, you know, look, the the guys I was working with Hall of Famers in, in Alan Chris and before that, Alan John Madden. And and so there isn't a lot that I'm gonna add that they aren't already adding, but when Gary Kubiak was the head coach of the Houston Texans and they were playing at Indy and Gary Kubiak went down at halftime. It might've been in Houston. I'm trying to remember where that was, but Gary Kubiak collapsed at halftime. And I don't know if you guys remember that, but it was a massive story and my whole job just changed on a dime. And so I went from not just covering the game, but now we're covering a metal, a medical emergency and literally being on the air, describing what I'm seeing not knowing if this man is going to live or die. Seriously, none of us knew. And you have to handle that in a completely, completely different way. You can't hyperventilate. You can't panic. You can't say anything that is going to be wrong. You just have to be so focused and so mm -hmm. steady. And so that was a moment where it, the, the, the show really all became about my role more more so than the game at certain points because everyone wanted to know what the hell was going on with Gary Kubiak. Yeah, and I got an insight <clears throat> into that when I watched that OJ documentary that ended up winning the Oscar. Um, I don't know yeah. I don't know if you saw it, the 10-part series for, for ESPN. Yes. Um, yep. They showed the behind the scenes of Bob Costas during the chase, during the Bronco chase, and what he was getting ready to tell everybody because that story had become bigger than the NBA finals at that point. Yes. And I was unaware how much really went on until I saw that doc where I was like, oh my God. Um, yeah, the, I didn't know that the Bob entire Cost world is, is watching and waiting for yeah. what Costas is going to say. They don't even yeah. give a shit about the game at this point. I didn't know that Costas was a passenger in the Bronco. Yeah, yeah, he was driving. <laughs> like that's a, he was like the original Joe Rogan where homeboy's legs broke and he's on the mat next to him. Like, can you tell me what happened? Yeah, he's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. And Al Michaels played a role in that too because he knew OJ lived right around the block from mm. where everything was going on. He knew the lawyers. So there was there's so many 
amazing backstories to that whole thing. But I, who can forget that? I was on a plane ride from Charlotte, North Carolina, where I was working in radio to California. I think it was, it may have been like Father's Day weekend or it was my dad's birthday or something, but I was going home for this. And our pilot on the plane was relaying to us, folks, we understand the Bronco is heading south on 405. You know, it was crazy. So by the time I landed in LA and I zoomed home to see my dad, I'm like, should we go out and follow this chase? What should we do? So that the, that was an insane, insane time in LA. Yeah, I, <laughs> I bet. I didn't move there until years later, but uh, I remember our first trip there was like a Rose Bowl. I went to Ohio State for, for undergrad. Uh, when we got to LA, that's oh, the, the first picture everybody wanted to take was at his house in Brentwood. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just, and the neighbors were just still so pissed years I'm later. I'm sure they were. Yeah. I, I, and the apartment that she lived in, I believe, or the small townhouse kind of condo thing that she lived in, I think was ultimately torn down. His may have been too. I, and yeah, his, his was. They tore yeah, his down. Yeah. yeah. And then they changed I the mean, address. Who would, yeah. Who would want, exactly. Who would want to, yeah. Trippy, trippy story. I mean, he's an innocent man, Michelle. He's still looking for the real <laughs> killer. So, yeah, that's what they say. Yeah. I know he's out there really working hard. He carries around one of those magnifying glasses with him, yep. and he oh, does he have a Sherlock Holmes hat too? Well, he, he carries he, he carries golf clubs with him too in case he has he, to beat the guy, right? Or he's got to those make are a drive. effective weapons. You mm. can just you know ask Tiger Woods; they can be very effective. Oh boy! <laughs> Since you brought it up, uh, the Tiger coverage was insane, wasn't it? It was. It was nuts. And then I happened to, I've been to the masters one time in my life and I went they when he came back to play after all of that. And if you remember, Tiger had said he was going to get back to his religion of, he, he was a Buddhist. And, and so there was a plane flying over Augusta with one of those little signs trailing behind it that said, did you mean bootyism? B o o t y ism. <laughs> and and then there was another one, and they had two messages flying around. And my husband and I were looking at each other, going, "How is Augusta letting this happen? These are the most powerful people in Georgia. They've got. There's no way this can continue." Yeah. And sure enough, within an hour, those planes were gone, and they never came back. But message was sent, and and I remember watching Tiger on the green, the practice green. And I mean, it was just a mob scene. You know, there are golfers out playing at this point, but Tiger's on the practice green for the first time since this thing happened. It was nuts. There have only been a couple of truly worldwide superstars in sports history, right? Like Jordan was one of them. Well, that the whole yep. world stops, yeah. right? Like so Tiger Woods. Jordan, like if, if, Tiger, Tiger, if Tiger Woods walked yep. into the room right now, we would have to stop yeah. the show. We would all be starstruck, yeah. I think. Yes, is it like absolutely. that for you too? Yeah, yeah, for it is. Um, Tiger is one of those, no question. In spite of everything that's gone on, there's still a an aura about the guy, right? Mm -hmm. And I think some of the specials that have been on, done on him are incredible and really interesting behind the scenes details. He is an interesting guy, and 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 he's been through it all. I think. Kobe was that way to a certain extent too. Yeah, and yeah. and you know that that was made all the more tragic by the fact that this guy was really pursuing some really nice things in his life when all of this happened to him and when he he and his daughter were killed in that crash. But I, I think Kobe was that way. I think I think Tiger, I think Tom Brady to a certain extent <clears throat> is that way. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It's it's a very small group of people 
Yeah, and I think before that, I remember watching this doc with Cosell, and he always said it about Ali. He said, yeah, Ali, oh, sure. everybody yeah. stopped yeah. for Ali. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a few, but not many. And, no. uh, d- you know, during when you were working, I mean, dude, I, yeah, you saw Brady. I mean, he Brady won yeah. seven, Jordan won six. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you ever get a, a chance to sit with either of those guys in oh, a one-on-one gosh. setting, though, like off-camera? And be like, oh, hey, yes, oh, many. I mean, I can't tell you how many Patriots games and Tampa Bay games we did. We we did the Super Bowl after Deflate Gate. I mean, we we sat in a room with Brady, Chris Collinsworth, Al, myself, and our producer director team. This is how we always conducted our production meetings. And I remember Chris asked him flat out, "Did you take the air out of the balls?" No, I did not. You know, we in that closed setting. I, oh, I've had many, many times to let me just go back to jordan real quick because i do want to give him kudos for something sure so i covered jordan at the end of his career and then when he came back after his baseball career and he came back to the nba and whenever i had a habit when i was covering nba players that if they took the time to talk to me one-on-one i'd send a, a thank you note later in the week so i sent him a thank you note and then the next time i came back to covering washington when he was there um he he looked at me and he said you the one that sent me the thank you note? And I said, I did. And he said, you can interview me anytime you want. So he really appreciated that. I, I, I was amazed the note made it to him to begin with. Yeah. But the fact that he appreciated it and said it. So that that's uh, I, I, I had nothing but good things to say about Michael Jordan. Um, Brady, it, it's it's I can't I, countless meetings. And some of them took place, especially when he got to Tampa, where he'd sit in his car. He'd set up his phone to be on Zoom. And we'd be in a, in our meetings and, you know, with COVID, we adapted so much and did so many meetings by Zoom. But Tom would be driving home from practice and just looking at us through Zoom. And, you know, it just so a, a million interview, a million sit downs with Tom, Bob Kraft, Bill Belichick. I, I mean, the list goes on. Those those meetings that were exclusives for us because we had the game that Sunday night were were unbelievable. And some and, you know, uh, Peyton, Brett Favre, just some amazing, fun stuff that never saw the light of day because, (laughs) you know, you don't. You you keep what's off the record off the record. Mm. But now you get to talk about whatever you want regarding athletes. (laughs) And uh, you know I'm going to bring it up because you just talked about it on your last show with LeBron James. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'm sure you've covered LeBron. We're not not fans of LeBron here on this show. Well, that's I like watching him play basketball. I actually, I... uh, Like, he's a really good basketball player. I'm mixed on that. One of the best. I'm mixed on that. There's no question. How's his team doing right now? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, he's never been much of a team guy, to be honest. He's got got his own nickname, which he gave himself tattooed on his body. That's not a team guy to me. Yeah. 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 Not a fan of that. But I think of, you know, listening to your last show, show there's no way you could have said that in the in the job you used to have obviously no no. however if if i had been in that press conference so for people who didn't see he he challenged the is a post-game press conference which players are obligated to do at least a certain number of times a week yep and he comes in there and he is addressing the media and he answers their questions and at the end he says i just you know when i was walking down here i was thinking you guys always ask me when one of us does something bad in this case, Kyrie, you asked me about it, but no one's asked about this Jerry Jones photo. I, 
it's such a di- intellectually dishonest argument. It, it, you know, one guy's in his league playing a game and LeBron, you're sort of the face and voice of the league. Also his friend and former teammate with whom he won a championship. Thank you. Right? There we go. A couple yeah. little details there. Yeah. The other guy's an NFL owner and the photo's 65 years old and he was 14 in the photo. Right. And he's a high schooler. And all we see is his face. We don't see him. We don't know what his mind is thinking. We don't know where his heart is thinking, feeling. We don't know if he did anything. We just know he's there. It's not a pretty picture because the whole thing is just ugly, the scene. But Jerry's just kind of in that picture. The little 14-year-old Jerry Jones is just sort of looking on. And it could have been anybody. I mean, there were other people there. (laughs) So I'm not saying he wasn't doing anything wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't know what he did. I know he happened to appear in this photo. Now, under LeBron's logic, what other photos do we need to ask him about? How many other public figures do we need to ask? Well, him I've about? got a couple. Uh, any of the okay. photos, <clears throat> any of the photos from uh, China right now, where yep. he makes the bulk of Amen. his money, men, right? Yep. Where, where he Amen. makes the bulk of his money, where but he won't answer those questions. No, he's, no. A, he's an absolute coward. You, you were there. You were actually still on the job. When this whole Daryl Morey situation mm-hmm. went down, now yeah. to his in, in his defense, I think LeBron was in China at the time, yes, uh, for like a three day thing. It or was some an shit. exhibition, I believe. So yeah. uh, he he said that Morey was misinformed, uh, which he was not. There were fourteen hundred mm-hmm. active Uyghur Muslim concentration camps where they're harvesting organs, murdering people, murdering children. It's a genocide. Uh, then when he gets back to the states, and people are like, "Well, why don't you talk about this?" The only time he's ever addressed it. He said, well, I don't know enough about that. You know enough to say that Daryl Morey was full of shit right. to protect your right. fucking bankroll, but not enough to actually yeah. put your, your own fight. You're like, you're a billionaire, dude. How much more money do you uh, need? It, you can't sacrifice a little it, bit? It, it, it makes me, the, the, that whole Uyghur China genocide thing makes me sick. It makes me sick that any American company, that any company really that isn't a Chinese company still manufactures there because there's so much slave labor in China as well. Mm -hmm. And if there's any slave labor, it has a trickle down effect to every other form of labor because you're getting away with so much cheap labor in certain ways that I, I... you know, and now we're discovering that, oh, the solar panels that we're bringing over from China. Well, who did you think was making them? I mean, it's like it's it's not that tough. And so, yeah, I think for LeBron to constantly be beating the drum, look, he can say whatever he wants. I'm a free speech absolutist. You can say whatever you want. Uh, and I stand by your right to say it. I can disagree with you. But he wouldn't in this presser that I referred to. He also wouldn't let anyone talk. It, when he started this little speech of his, he said, you know, you guys never asked me about Jerry Jones. And someone started to speak up and he goes, no, 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 no. I don't even want to hear anything. Right. He wanted to make his statement. Okay. You made your statement, but you know, maybe someone would have said, okay, what do you think of the Jerry Jones photo? But I, you know, yes, it, the hypocrisy of it, of companies like Nike and their virtue signaling for black lives matter and all the rest, but Uyghur lives don't matter. That's, that's, that's it. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy, and uh, nobody will really call him out in the media on it that's currently covering the game. No. I think it's in fear of them being blackballed from uh, asking questions or answering questions, but you would Probably. know more about that than me. Has there ever been a time an athlete shuts you out after, after something you asked that you didn't like? Um, the most famous one I can think of was probably, was it Shelly Smith and uh, Kobe Bryant's? Um, which she was covering the, the the rape trial in Colorado, um, 
potentially. Look, I, I've had um, uh, Jim Harbaugh when he was coach of the San Francisco 49ers. He and I had some some run-ins and I didn't get blackballed, but it, it was really uncomfortable. Mm. And he, the way he spoke to me on a couple of occasions was, it was just not something I would ever condone. Mm. And um, I, I also, there was a, there was a moment with the 49ers as well. Alden Smith was still there and he accused me of, talking about something on the air and it wasn't me it was lisa salters and i know we look a lot alike but he <laughs> said, he, he wouldn't believe me you said it you said it. i'm like no i didn't you said it on monday night football i said i don't work on monday night football i'm on sunday night football so i couldn't have said it on monday night football and it this went on and on and so anyway there was that uh and then there was the jim harbaugh moment and he and i had this silly come to jesus phone call about it but it, that one was uncomfortable for me. And they actually tried to keep me off of the field during pregame in San Francisco one game, which is kind of part of my office. Yeah. Like when I get to the field and they're they're just sort of kickers are out there warming up, I go and I talk to people. That's that's part of my job. And their security staff kept me off the field until someone from the NFL came over and and sort of you know, calm the situation down. That's funny that <clears throat> Alden Smith was able to find time between beating women and getting DUIs yeah, to even right. talk to you. Well, me, as a fellow Missouri alum, let me just... Let me, <laughs> Our let producer me, yeah. went to Missouri here. Let me just way. insert that. In Alden's defense, he's insane. Yeah, he is. Uh, so, <laughs> it, it felt like that in that moment. It mm -hmm. really did. Uh, well, you're speaking my language with Harbaugh. Uh, obviously, I went to Ohio State. Uh, not a huge fan of Jim Harbaugh. That was Are you a, upset? It was a woodshed beating there at Ohio State. Does it upset you week. that so when he was with the 49ers on any given day, he looked like uh, Jake from State Farm, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. the same outfit. <laughs> yep. 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 And whenever they lose, Michelle T Dog, sorry. Um, please don't cut the interview. Yeah, that's okay. That that's right. you T -Dog. I'm out of here. Fuck I'm this. I'm out of here. I said T-Dog. God it's damn it. It's in my rider, it. damn it. It's in my rider. White lilies, T-Dog. You don't yeah. say shit where, about where my dogs. Where my M&Ms that I wanted? Just oh, the yeah. red ones. Exactly. Um, yeah, but with uh, with Harbaugh, I post the same picture after Ohio State beats Michigan of him buying all those tidy whities and five khakis, five pairs of khakis from Walmart. Um, that is clearly his go-to outfit on every single day. He's always been a weird guy to me, but I didn't know anything about him behind yeah, but the all scenes. Those, like Nick Saban only has one change of clothes, too. He goes home and washes it every single day. But, same change of clothes. But there, Eats the same meals three times a day. He's a fucking robot. Uh, well, but, uh, some people are, are really, uh, they're so routine-oriented mm -hmm. or they're superstitious, which uh, is a really kind of, that's got to be a painful existence. Look, I, and I don't want to totally rip on Jim Harbaugh, but that is the truth. The, the, the fact that he and John could not be more different. Now, there are certain things that they share in common. John has a little bit of a streak in him, but John is has, in my experience, been much, much easier to work with in the NFL. Now, Jim, it started off badly for us when he was coaching Stanford and I was doing one of their bowl games and I asked him a question about Andrew Luck that he didn't like and it, uh, or that he I asked him a question about he was going to the NFL next that he didn't like and and so it all it started we got off on the wrong foot but I was just doing my job you know that's my job yeah 
Um, speaking of which, was there any competition between you and any other women? Uh, I remember the Rachel Nichols thing over at ESPN. Was there any of that during your time there where there was, you know, sideline reporter things, maybe with like an Aaron Andrews or somebody like that? Um, was there a, no, was there a competition? I never felt that way. I, I never felt competitive. I, I'm competitive. And, and for God's sakes, I'm competitive with, I don't care if you're male, female, black, white, green, purple, bisexual. I don't care. If you, if you're, if you and I are pursuing the same story, I'm going to pursue it hard. I'm going to compete as hard as I freaking can against you. That's how I've approached my whole career. Not like, oh, I'm a woman in a man's world. That's just counterproductive. That's putting a hurl in your way. So I, I, Never felt like there was a competition like that. Um, I was really lucky. And my first Super Bowl, I had one sideline and Susie Culver had the other. She had Seattle. I had Pittsburgh uh, in that Super Bowl. The next three Super Bowls that I did, I had the sidelines to myself, which was a complete and utter joy. It was so fun. And then the last Super Bowl I did with um, with Catherine Tappan. She had Cincinnati. I had the Rams. Right? Yes. Yes. So, you know, but but she and I work for the same network. We, we, you know, we, we each had our stories to cover. So no, I, I never felt like, like that. That's so catfighty and no. Yeah. I always kind of wondered, cause when the Rachel Nichols thing popped up, obviously they made such a huge deal about it. Uh, I, it was over race. Obviously I think, you know, Rachel Nichols yeah. had said, or, you know, she was a diversity hire or something like that. About um, Maria Taylor. Yes, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it it's, uh, in, in, uh, I, 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 in defense of Rachel, what happened to her was really wrong in that she was being recorded and didn't know it. And someone publicized that tape. <clears throat> that just shouldn't happen in America. It just it's it's wrong. Yeah, I agree. And uh, and when that got leaked, it was clearly intentional on someone's part. Yes, it was. And, you know, they always go in and say they're going to do an investigation. But uh, we all know how that turns out. It's uh, <laughs> Rachel Nichols getting the old heave ho out of there. Yeah. And then they'll yeah. kind of move on. Uh, did that ever worry you when you were out there that, uh, you, you know, a hot mic or something would catch you? You know, I don't think it worried me too much because I, I'm I I don't tend to. You know, I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't ever remember feeling worried about it. I was always really careful. You, you know, I've been doing this for so long that you're aware that you can get yourself into some trouble. And, you know, but but I, I never really did anything that troubles. I think the worst thing I ever did was I threw a beer at a Michigan fan at a Minnesota <laughs> game once. And that got I got in, you know, some really hot water for that. And I, I was working for ESPN at the time, and I called the CEO, I called the head of ESPN right away, and I said, "Here's what's happened. I did the." And he started laughing on the other end. He's like, "You threw a beer in his face." I said, "Well, yeah, he was crawling up in a yeah, da, 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 da. And so anyway, it was a big to do. It was very embarrassing, and it was probably the worst moment of public attention I've ever had. Um, so that taught me a lot. <laughs> I can really. Minded my P's and Q's after. And I was sober. I was the I was the designated driver at that game. So it's kind of a funny story. <laughs> but it's a boss move though for you to chuck a beer at somebody. At look, least you 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 start threatening my friends, you better look out. Yeah, dude. I, I think if like if memory serves me correct, the quote was T Dog ain't nothing to fuck with, is what <laughs> you said. <clears throat> and it was weird because you kept saying it over beer. and over again, even after you threw the beer. Yeah. 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 Um yeah. I don't it's know if you were a big my gravestone. If you were a big Wu Tang fan or something like yeah, that. Yeah, not really yeah, sure. Yeah, that's me. Um if you're if you're live the wife the life of Wu or not, but uh <laughs> I think you do. Protect your neck. Exactly. 
exactly. You got to protect your neck. Uh, oh. And then you, you get out. You make a switch into politics. Um, uh, I believe you were you were helping uh, a guy who was running for governor there in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it did not go well. And I, it's really unfortunate because he ended up losing the party endorsement in Minnesota. The Republican Party, they go through this endorsement process rather than having a primary. They go through an endorsement. So there's this group at a convention who decides who's our best candidate and it it exposed me to the worst of politics oh, yeah. you know it's out there but until you see it happen to a good person that you're standing with and you see how slimy and disgusting it is you don't really get the full force of it and that moment i just went i i was just deflated absolutely just like this is sick and wrong and I do think, and then the guy that ended up getting the endorsement didn't win. I think if my candidate had gotten the endorsement and he was second, it, it, ultimately he was second, uh, he would have won. And so it's it's really, it's a gross process and it's made me really think twice about my future in politics. I was going to say, if that's your first foray into politics and it ends yeah. like that, yeah. you have to look at it and be like, shit, do I actually want to do this anymore? Exactly. I mean, it's... It's really gross. And and that's not to say there aren't good people in the game. There are. Nope. There, I think they're few and far between. So, And I guess it's all what your definition of good is, right? So kind of what the <clears throat> definition of is, is. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's, it's how you define it and what your values are. But um, yeah, it really, it really did make me think That was twice. a 23-year-old reference right there. Sure was. There are people listening to this show right now that weren't alive when Bill Clinton said that. Oh, no, God, no. that's depressing. Yeah, Isn't it? <clears throat> isn't it i mean they need to go they just google the definition of is is and yeah. maybe you'll find a video yeah they'll well, find it i was gonna ask you earlier so you said uh double doinker collinsworth asked brady about the deflate thing and he said i uh no i did not did, yeah. he, did he say no i did not or did he say no i didn't because if somebody said if if you remove the contraction from your rebuttal usually that means you're lying people that are lying will say really i did yeah. not do that instead of i didn't do that you can watch you all know what i can't remember I can't. I'm, ha I'm going to have to dig into my notes. There we go. Dan's waterboarded so many people. It would alter your mind, Michelle. I would really would. Waterboarding and pain and all that stuff is, uh, you know, a lot of people say it's not effective and uh, they're wrong. They're wrong. It is extremely effective. <laughs> they're wrong. I, think, I, I believe you. Yeah. yeah. I believe yeah. you. Dan's killed many a man. So it's no. like he's going to know, obviously. I'd, I heard somebody's feelings once. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, when you That's came out though, and decided to jump into politics and go, you know, talk about uh, uh, especially, let's face it, Republican stuff. Uh, yeah. How did that go over with your former colleagues and all? Oh, my colleagues knew exactly who I was. Oh, they we did all had, along. Uh, all along. I mean, we had so many debates. We think how many elections we went through mm. together, and <clears> we're in these van rides to and from practice, or to and from the game, or be before meetings, all sitting around a table waiting for a coach to show up. We had so many debates and so many conversations. They all knew exactly who I was. And you weren't and the only one either. I mean, there's I, a, I was there's, not there's quite, the only one. There's a couple. <laughs> there, there's a particularly tall woman at ESPN right now whose dad was a captain in the U.S. Army who's pretty conservative that doesn't yeah. like to talk too much about it publicly. But it's, you know. She can't. She yeah. can't. No, nobody yeah. can. It's, it's, can't. That, I was going to ask you about that earlier. You said that when you were, uh, especially the last couple of years with NBC, uh, you know, they didn't want to court controversy by allowing you to have your own separate channel. But that wouldn't have been the case if the controversy you were courting leaned left, frankly. Yes, and especially you know, on ESPN. It, it's amazing, <laughs> ESPN. It, it, it's 
there are times I just got to turn the channel. I can't like even look watch how it very far Jamil Hill had to go before they finally were like, "Get the fuck out of here!" I mean, it was I know. wild, yeah. wasn't it? Well, and now they've got this gal, L. Duncan, is it? Uh, um, yeah, L. Duncan. Is that, yeah. Do I have that yeah. right? I think so. And she does some stuff, and I'm like, "What?" I'm. I thought I was watching sports news yeah. here, and she goes into these. So, I, and it's a lot there. There's a lot of that going on, and I just have I. I for me, I like my sports served on a side platter mm -hmm. with the other stuff away from it. Now, again, free speech absolutist here. You do what you got to do. Yeah. But at some point, I think, think, you know, you might, you might, there might be consequences for that. They're either good or bad. I don't know that people are really going to stick around for all that. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Well, I mean, I think they're a little, I, I, editorializing has always been part of sports, right? Cosell, uh, yeah. Talked a lot about yeah. all the stuff that went on in the 60s and 70s and shit. And True. Uh, Dick yep. Schapp and then Jeremy, his kid, who's still there, they do a lot of... Jeremy Schapp, they, ESPN. Yeah, they, they do a lot of interesting editorializing. Yep. Uh, but yeah, no, probably keep the politics true. out that's of it, true. right? And the 30 for 30 that, thing, too, thing. Is, is part of it. Like, that whole... That editorial stuff is, is interesting if you don't come at it from a particular angle. Just make make the story interesting and and and, and are there subtleties and is it mm. balanced you know that the balance part of it is also i think key i am not so sure you know if if my other channel let's say and i was still on sunday night football had been left leaning i'm not so sure they would have i did a demo podcast and i gave it to the the people at at nbc and I, the the few that needed to hear it and one person uh, who i won't name said to me I agree with 95% of what you said, but we'd really prefer if you didn't do this right now. You know, we just want to keep Sunday night football, Sunday night football. And honestly, I respected that. And I, I could have quit right then and there. I, I hung in for another couple of years for a variety of reasons, but I, I, I respected that. You, if you're you get a choice, right? Yeah. And if they're going to ask you, they didn't tell me, no, you cannot do this. They said we would we would really appreciate it if you just put that to the side for now. I could have said no, and then they could have had a they could have fired me, or I could have quit. Either way, what I had so much respect for the property and for the people that I worked with and what that entity meant to the network that that was my job. That's what I signed up for. That's that that's what I was there to do. So I respected it. Kids, we got some sponsors that put this show on the air. First and foremost, GhostBed.com forward slash drinking bros. It's Christmas time. Time to get yourself a new mattress for you and your loved one. Or get one for your kid. Two-year-olds love nice mattresses. I know mine does. It just jumps around all over it all day long. Uh, they love it. The kids love Get them each a mattress. All right? Start when they're newborns. And uh, just get them a just get them a ghost bed. See what happens. Now, yes, it's probably too big to put inside of a crib, but let them chew on it. Throw it out in the yard. Let them play in front of the neighbors on it. Do whatever you want. Or you can get one for a loved one that you're married to, or perhaps courting at home. And if you're doing that, I gotta recommend that bundle package, dog. That's forty percent off the adjustable base. And the mattress combined together comes with a super sleek remote control, USB ports, flashlights, vibrates from head to toe. If you're into that, which you know I am, wink. 
And let's say your significant other goes to sleep before you or after you. They offer it in a split king. And therefore, there's two remotes with that damn thing. And you can go up or down, go to sleep, or stay up all night with the the adjustable base. Now, if you just want the mattress, it's 30% off with the promo code DRINKINGBROS. Plus, right now, you're getting two free luxury pillows with said mattress. That's a... Oh, 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 Merry Christmas. I highly recommend it. Had it for years. I've had the adjustable base for about three. Can't live without it. Also love the sheets, dude. Highly underrated, those sheets. Big, big fan. Uh, They got a cover if you're doing butt stuff. Uh, And then they got a weighted blanket, which I guess you sleep for like, I don't know, baby Jessica-like hours. It's like 58 hours or something like that. I don't have it because uh, I drive the kids to school in the morning. I can't sleep that long. But everybody else who does says it's delightful. So perhaps put that in the cart as well. Now, when you check out, you're going to go to the bottom of the screen and see a 60-month pay-as-you-go program. No interest as long as you have decent credit. Check that box. And all the deals that I mentioned are applicable with that. And you can get a brand-new bedroom set for about 25 bucks a month. Head on over to GhostBed.com forward slash Drinking Bros today. Next up, we got HardAFSeltzer.com. Speaking of the holidays, everybody's got family coming to town or you're going to their house. You might as well get some booze. God forbid Uncle Timmy's out there talking about how great Biden's doing for the economy. We all know that isn't true. The only thing that's going to shut that guy up is some 8% seltzer straight to your dome. No carbs, no sugars, no gluten if you give a shit about that. We ship to 41 states at hardafseltzer.com. It'll be there in plenty of time for Christmas, or if you're in the state of Tennessee or Florida, we are alive in over 150 stores collectively in those two states. All you have to do is go to hardafseltzer.com, uh, hit the store locator, and type in your zip code or city. It doesn't even matter if you're in the car, and Google Maps will take you right to the closest store, and it's cheap as shit on there. Regular prices, same as like a White Claw or something, except We've got double the ABV and ours. Uh, we're also in the largest booze distributor throughout the entire South. It is a totally awesome place to buy all your booze, and we're in every single one of their stores, damn it. So go in there, grab a couple cases for the holidays, and light shit up properly at hardafseltzer.com. Yeah, and I'm the same way with sports, by the way. I mean, even though we talk about politics here uh, from time to time uh, on this show, I want to watch a college football game or an NFL game or an NBA game. I don't want to hear about politics, think about politics. It is purely entertainment for me and an escape uh, from real life and and everything else that you're... I don't know. I think the prevent defense is super liberal. I don't like it. Like the mental, the mental gymnastics, the mental gymnastics people go through to try to wedge politics into this fucking game that's being played on a field or well, court. Shut speaking the fuck of that, up. I don't know if you guys watched the Thursday night game last night oh, yeah. on Amazon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you got the Patriots and you got the Bills. <clears throat> yep. And you know, on the, the back of the player's helmet, mm-hmm. there's a little strip along the bottom on the back of the helmet, and on the Patriots helmet, it said. Patriots. Yep. Every player, it said Patriots in red letters. On the Bills, it said things like "Choose Love." Yeah, stop hate. Things like that. Stop who, hate. Who makes that Beautiful decision? Beautiful messages. 
Uh, that I don't know. Well, the, I would end, the player gets to decide technically, but well, Bill but, Belichick but, is but, not allowing that shit. Yeah, here's the thing. The player gets to decide what message is back there if he chooses a message mm. like, you know, and hate. But I think as a team, the Patriots made that decision because every single player had it. Now, mm. that can come from Bill. That can come from Kraft. I don't know who that came from. But I think that that I've seen a few teams with it this year that have gotten rid of all the individualized mm. statements on the back of the helmet and just put the team name mm -hmm. and like I said, I'll stand up for everybody's right to express themselves, but I tend to appreciate what the Patriots did and just we're a team. Well, there's we're some about the Patriots. Yeah, same. And, there, and there's some end zones too, to your points yeah. that still yeah. have like end racism or stop yeah. something, whatever the, yeah. the <clears throat> cause is at the time. And you're like, man, mm -hmm. again, I'm watching a football game here. Yeah. I'm watching some dummy run a, run a piece of but rubber into the end zone. If you look at yeah. all I want, if you look at the great franchises uh, throughout sports, at least in football, I guess, um, you don't see, uh, even in baseball, I guess, to some degree, you don't see player names even on the back of the jersey. Right, right? the Yankees. Yankees, yeah. the Red Sox, Notre, Notre Dame, Notre Dame yeah. doesn't do that bullshit. Yeah. Right. Uh, the name right. on the front is what matters, right? Right, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Seems a reasonable approach. Although, you know, I, I, I like what they're doing this year. So a lot of guys over the past two or three years have been getting fined for wearing custom cleats, right? Right. And the NFL just decided, let's turn it into a fucking fundraiser for all yeah. these charities. That, yeah. That's, yeah. They, that was a very elegant way to handle that. And I think it's only in the pregame you're allowed yeah. to wear those cleats. Mm -hmm. um, and then they auction off least, the cleats and everything. Yeah, and yeah it's great. It's great. Yeah. It's great. And, and you learn a lot about these players and their passions or their personalities or their backstories, mm -hmm. and that is... You're right. Elegant is a good way to put mm. that. I, you know, it's 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 one of those yeah. moments where the NFL made a good choice. Yeah, and I think I saw maybe well between the Redskins who uh, were friends with uh, guys that run that stuff over there, but between them and the game last night, I think I've seen five or six dudes whose moms have had breast cancer now. Mm -hmm. yeah. So like, yeah, of course that's the fucking charity. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. And yeah. Why, why would you, why would you uh, uh, not allow that? I guess. Well, and now I think it's just intercept cancer. It's all a variety yeah. of cancers that they, <clears throat> that they shout out to. That's so, a big uh, one. It wasn't, there's some uh, youth uh, outreach thing. It's not boys uh, and girls club. It's something else. that's super popular as well, but that's a uh, big one. I mean, you think about the people that play professional football there's a lot of moms and there's a lot of troubled youths that make it yes. into the NFL, right? So obviously that's going to be exactly. something that stands out to those guys. Exactly. Yeah. And the guy, and there's so many amazing stories, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, I've heard some remarkable stories about guys who have turned their lives around, and it is so flipping inspiring. And so I, I, those are those are some of the greatest stories to tell because they're so rare, but but they can influence so many to to believe that they don't have to be that rare. You know, it's 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 incredible. It's you, cool. And then you have somebody like me, like my mom uh, faked a make a wish with Tim Tebow so I could throw footballs <laughs> with him. And uh, yeah, and what, you were you were thirty five at the time. Yes, which is the I, weird part. I was yeah. Michelle. Why yeah. are you putting your head down? He's he's a more <laughs> accurate passer than you think, and he didn't really get the credit he deserved. He won a playoff game, and mm -hmm. uh, and it changed my life. I've got a new a new father figure. Um, That's beautiful. At, that is a beautiful story. At 35. <laughs> well, you're beautiful. not 35 now. No, I'm 37 he's now. But, he's, um, no, you know, no, it's, no. What? He's 35. He's literally a decade younger than uh, you. I don't think he is. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it really changed my life, Michelle, and it was great. Um, I bet. But there's also, there's also uh, people that came into the NFL relatively unscathed and because of whatever issues, right? The money, fame, the head injuries. 
they're losing their shit. Like Antonio Brown is, so, so far as I know, is still in the standoff of police at his house right now in Florida. Yes. That like, one is, is he, you were going to add? Yeah, he's got, uh, so there is a warrant for his arrest that is yeah. currently out. Last that, night at midnight, right. they were yes. at his house trying to get him to come outside. Correct, I don't. Yeah. I, I can't find any conclusion to this story anywhere, so... I don't know um, what's happening. This one is particularly heartbreaking for me because I knew AB for so long and he and I had a particular very good working relationship. He would always talk to me. He never turned down an opportunity for a one-on-one -on -one meeting, even when they got to the team hotel, if they were the visiting team. And I said, hey, I need AB for five minutes. They'd bring it. He'd come down. He'd smile that smile. There was so much promise. There was so much to build on. He had a hell of a childhood. And so this one is really tough to, to watch. And it's been unfolding for quite a while. And you have to ask yourself, you know, how much is it there was mental illness there to begin with? How much is it the bashing of the head that's taken place over the course of his career? What all is there? And But it's it's sad to me when someone has this unbelievable, unmatched opportunity to establish a life, because they're going to live a whole lot more life after football than they're living up and through football. Mm -hmm. And and to 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 have that go, it's it's rough. Yeah. Did you notice, uh, I don't remember what year it was, but <clears throat> that Vontaze Perfect hit. No, like yeah. it seemed like yeah. that might have been the point where everything started to go wrong. Everybody references that hit <laughs> as the as the kind of the turning point of his life. Um, look, you're on the field for every single mm -hmm. game. Was there a hit that you saw like that in real life where you were like, "Oh my god, that guy should just stop playing"? Because I know we've talked about it, you know, plenty on this show with Tua this year. Was there a hit that you yeah. saw in real life where you're like, "I don't think this guy should play anymore"? I don't know if I. I never said I don't think he should play anymore, but I remember a Le'Veon Bell hit, speaking of Pittsburgh again, when he was with the Steelers that took him out of the game. And I thought, my God, because of the impact with which he was hit and then his head hit and bounced and hit again. And, you know, there are a lot of moments where you see players take physical hits, whether it's to the head or the knee or the whatever. And you're going, how are you getting up? I don't uh, physically I'm not I'm unclear as to how you are able to stand after what your body just took. Now, clearly they train for it, all the rest, but it's a, yeah, it is a, it is a dangerous sport. They continue to try to make it less so. And, you know, you just hope it doesn't get so watered down that it's not the same sport, but at the same time, they, they are making some good decisions, I think on special teams and in other spots where, um, you know, it, it's just not worthwhile to make a particular kind of hit these things are gradient. And so it's it's hard. Sometimes you watch and you think, no, that guy definitely put his head down. And they'll say, no, he didn't. He was in the action of this or that. That's why I say <laughs> the, the NFL rule book is like the tax code. Yeah. It is so complicated and complex and nuanced that it, it's it's it kind of, to me, it takes away from the game at times. But um, yeah, that, that to a hit was something. And, and, and I've seen others. But, you know, have I ever thought just stop playing? I don't think I did. At the same time, I've never had a concussion, so I don't know what that feels like. <coughs> yeah, and, and you have a son right now. Um, mm -hmm. Seeing what you've seen, do you do you let him play football? Like, what what's is that hard? It is difficult. Um, my late father in law was a college football coach. He coached at um, Wichita State, and then he coached at the University of Minnesota. He actually coached Tony Dungy there. 
And so I knew Tony before I knew my father-in-law, but um, he said to me, look, a kid your son's age, he can't hit hard enough to get a concussion. This was when he was little. Now my son's in high school and he's still playing. It is hard to watch sometimes. They are teaching tackling differently than it used to be taught. It's much more rugby style kind mm. of tackling that you like to see, <clears throat> which is really awesome, by the way, technique. It's tr- it's tremendous. And it's it doesn't seem that that difficult. So just don't use your damn helmet. Mm. But it is it's it's tough. Um, but at the same time, I've seen I live in Minnesota. Hockey players I've seen have life-threatening injuries or life-changing injuries. Mm-hmm. You, you see it in almost every sport. And so you kind of have to ask yourself, do they love this game enough that I just have to sort of let go or what? But my son and I kind of decided if he got one concussion, he would probably not continue because he understood the ramifications. Got it. Um, and then how does somebody that went to Berkeley become a Republican? I can't figure that out about you. I'd like, that's a real <laughs> tough one for me. Well, I mean, my Aaron, parents Aaron both went to went Berkeley. Too. Okay. Yeah, Aaron went there too. Yep. Aaron and I have that in common. <clears throat> yeah. That and ayahuasca. I, you're a big, yeah, uh, you're, you're a huge ayahuasca. Yeah, you love taking drugs. I heard that about you a couple yeah, times. Yeah, a lot of people. That plant behind you, is that an ayahuasca plant? That's, Probably is, no, right? It's not. But it, she is on yeah, mushrooms right now. That is what I am. I'm surprised <laughs> it took you this long to figure it out. Oh, I knew. I just um, waited for the right moment to show it. Because I'm a professional, yeah. okay. You have been conducted yourself so beautifully, <laughs> exquisitely. Um, look, he, I went to Cal, and yeah, and it was um, my sister went to Cal. She was older than me. Both my parents went to Cal. I got out of Cal, and then I went to business school at USC, which sort of opened my eyes to real world stuff. And then I started traveling the country for my job, and I just started looking at the world in a very different way. I got many more points of view incorporated into my to my my POV, if you will, my point of view. And so, and ultimately, I, you may not know this, but I sent my diploma back to Cal Berkeley, and I sent it with a note, and I said, "You do not represent the kind of free speech that I believe in. You've stopped people from speaking on campus. I think that is the antithesis of what a campus should be." So I changed a lot. I I evolved, but uh, you know, I I um I I wouldn't want. I shouldn't say I wouldn't want my kids to go there, but I would send them there with very open eyes. I've they've disappointed me. Cal Berkeley has with some of their stuff. Now maybe they'll come around, but it's just so when you stop people from speaking, I, I that I just don't get it. I I don't understand it because even if someone's out there spewing stuff like Kanye is right now, mm-hmm. it's better to let him talk and you see who he really is than to shut him down and not see that there is ugliness or there is this or that in the world. I believe in full-throated debate. I believe in this stuff. And so, yeah, I sent my diploma back and they wrote me back an email saying, this must have been very difficult for you. And I was like, not not really. No, (laughs) not that tough to stand on principle. Yeah. uh, Speaking of Kanye, (laughs) is that a guest you would have on right now? We had this debate. So we had this debate yesterday because he was right down the street at Alex Jones's place. Uh, We're roughly, you know, five, 10 minutes from there. We all know the same people and everything else. It's a call we could have easily made yesterday. And Dan and I chatted about it. And it was like, no, I I think mentally there is a break there or something that it would be hard to give him 
airtime right now and and try to make sense of everything that's going on when right now there's just no they're all it's just all a bunch of non sequitur like <sighs> nonsense that may i mean yeah. it seems like somebody with cte it seems like an antonio brown situation where you're you're making these comments about things but they don't really none of the dots are connected it's all yeah. kind of wild you would yeah. have him on right now i i would take advantage of, if i had the opportunity i would try I okay. would try to try to talk reason with him. I would try to dig in. I mean, that one would take a lot of digging. Now, if I saw that it was going to be fruitless and this was going on and it was exactly what you're describing, where it was nonsensical and nothing was making sense as much as I tried to connect dots and he wasn't willing to or was incapable of connecting those dots, then I'd wrap it up and I'm not even sure I'd air it. But I'd certainly give it a try. I would absolutely give it a try. Even if he had the, the, the mask on where he was talking it for you through a mask. I don't know about that. That would be so weird. Because <laughs> you saw the clip yesterday, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I just a, I it's just a thing. And you're like, all right, sweet. Are we going to do this? Or yeah, yeah. He's going to talk through the mask the whole time. So I'm, is, not, I'm not yeah. sure anybody's doing him any favors by having well, him Well, right it now. wouldn't be about doing him a favor. Sure, yeah. I, I, I'm just saying I, for, like... You know, but you're right. I, yeah. I agree with you. I felt the same way about Rittenhouse. Uh, he got kind of paraded around the conservative media circuit after his uh, uh, court was, case was Yeah, Kyle over. Rittenhouse, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like... This kid's like fucking 18 years old mm -hmm. and uh, he's being put unsupervised in front of cameras right now after a serious situation that I'm not mm -hmm. sure he's got a sophisticated enough intellectual defense to be out there doing this stuff. It felt like he was being taken advantage of by people, to be honest. I, I agree with that. I, <laughs> and, you know, again, as, a, as an interviewer, you're asking yourself the question, can I conduct this in such a way that I'm not taking advantage of the subject? But at the same time, it's, it, there's a, there's a, look, it, it's a human being you're dealing with and a human being whose brain isn't fully formed and a human being who right now in Kyle Rittenhouse's case felt like he was Superman. Mm. He, had, he had gotten out of this and I and I, I'm sure he was shaken and all the rest. But, yeah, I, I'm not sure you wanted to anoint him with hero status in that in that moment. And that can affect the way someone's interacting with you. Mm. No question. Yeah. Who's your uh, dream guest right now? Who's on the top now that you have a podcast and now that you've. <laughs> Now that you've been on our show, obviously. yeah, I mean, obviously yeah, you've had this, us. So you can't this, say this us. was it. I'm no. I'm done now. This was this was it. I I wanted to be on this podcast, and I'm good. Um, you know, everybody else, I'm sure too. I would love to interview Elon Musk. Who wouldn't? You know, he is a fascinating dude, and I really want to. Sometimes I watch interviews, and I think that they come in with a list of questions, which you should. You should be prepared, mm -hmm. but they don't listen. Listen closely enough to the answers to dig, to go second level on the answers. And they instead they jump to the next topic. And I get so frustrated because I, I, I want to go, oh, you just said this. So what did you mean by that? And am I understanding you correctly when you say thus, that it means X, Y, Z? Why do you say that? You know, and, and I don't see enough of that. Now, part of that is the limitations of television. You have so little time. But if you're given an opportunity to sit down with someone for 30 or 60 minutes and you can't really do your follow through questions, your your get to the second, third level thinking on a topic, 
Oh, it just seems like such a waste of time. Mm. Yeah, and with <clears throat> Elon Musk in particular, that was the first, uh, when he was on Rogan, uh, that was the first time that I switched over to a video podcast versus an audio version. Um, okay. Because there was long gaps in between the answers. And, you know, at this point, I think between all the shows, I've done about 3,000 episodes, uh, somewhere in there, right? And you kind of know uh, either a guest is really boring or really dumb. Um, and they don't answer quickly enough for uh, with him. I had to turn off the interview about 25 minutes in on audio um, because there was so many gaps in the conversation with him and Rogan. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch this when I get home. Maybe something happened or there was a delay uh, and maybe the audio wasn't correct. I got right. home and watched it. It just turned out that Elon was genuinely thinking about every yeah. single question for yeah. about 15 to 20 seconds and then trying to give the most thoughtful answer. Um, and it made me enjoy the interview a lot better because I was just hearing it as a, as an audio listener versus watching what he was doing. And I'm with you. Yeah. He's on my <laughs> list for sure. It's like, also, yeah, it's also 83 to 85% of communication is nonverbal, right? It's, so if you ask somebody a question and you just watch their face, you, it, there's a whole lot going on there, the body mm-hmm. language and all that stuff. And I think no it's, that's one of the things that made all the great interviews over time, whether it's sports or otherwise, like Barbara Walters sitting across some, from somebody in a chair and a three camera setup, right, is so interesting because you can see, like we've watched people fidget yep. in that chair. We've watched people try to uh, obfuscate the fact that they're clearly lying about everything in that chair. Like the, uh, who was it? Not Patrick Kane. Who was the hockey guy? Was it Patrick Kane? The guy that was doing all the gambling and weird shit? You know what I'm talking he was about? for the Sharks. Uh, Patty yeah. Kane had a uh, cut, a different kind of chart. Alexander Kane or Alexander? I don't, I don't remember who it was, Xander but Kane. he did a, he tried to do like a, 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 a cut it, a cut it off at the pass apology tour before he actually got hammered on anything. Okay. Oh. Yeah, Evander Kane. Evander Kane. Evander Kane, yeah. Kane that's <clears throat> um, and it was like the guy saying stuff. It, it reminded me actually a lot of these uh, SBF interviews that are going on right now. Oh my. Where they're like. He actually did the same thing. So the interview that he did with, uh, with uh, George Stephanopoulos the other day, mm-hmm. Stephanopoulos asked him, did you know that this money was being moved without or, or whatever in, a, in a legal way? And he looked into the camera and he goes, I did not know that. I did not know that. That means he knew. There we go. Right? Yeah. Like I've interrogated he didn't say, I didn't know. He said, Correct. I did not know. Yeah, people don't speak like that. People speak yeah. in contractions. Yeah. So if, you, right. if somebody changes up the way they're, they're talking, that means they're full of shit. Well, he's clearly of shit it's, yes it's it's disgusting to watch and to listen to him at any stage of the game whether it was it's now and that he's in trouble and trying to again cut this off at the pass which dear god he better not get away with this um, but anyway you're right there there's there's body language and i give kudos to joe rogan in that moment with elon it's very difficult sometimes for an interviewer to let those gaps happen to let that person think it through. And instead they start to try to re-ask the question. What I mean is, mm-hmm. you know, or they try to interject, did you, th- you know, they, they ask the question six different ways while the person's thinking. Mm-hmm. It's so important to let the interview subject <coughs> think that through and stay out of their way because you never know what you're going to get. So those pauses are really, really, Really critical, but that's so interesting that you switch from the audio to the video, and you probably learn ten times more mm. about the guy than you would have otherwise. And it's it, it made it a more complete experience. Yeah, I mean, just having done this for years at this point, I was like, "There's got to be something wrong here. Um, it, either there is a glitch in the audio, or they didn't have time to edit it, or he was genuinely thinking about every single mm-hmm. question for 
15 to 20 seconds. Well, that's a guy that doesn't uh, feel the kind of pressure that you feel. So if I'm in an interrogation, I'll ask you a question or even a job interview. If I'm interviewing somebody for a job or something, I'll ask you a question. And uh, even if you answer immediately, I will still pause for 10 to 20 seconds after that because people are super uncomfortable with silence, especially if you're with somebody else. And they'll start saying shit that they shouldn't say. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? But but an interview like that, like some of the interviews that you've heard Snowden do uh, are like that as well. Oh, God, those are painful. People will just sit there and wait for him to say stuff. A a couple of people have have interviewed him pretty well, although now he's uh, declared Russian citizenship as of today, but... Uh, which maybe he has to. I don't know what the fuck's he going on. He views himself as a Christ-like figure, though. <laughs> Some of those interviews I've seen where it's just like... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty bizarre. But yeah, that's a good... It's a really good interview technique to to just yeah. pause and let things develop a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, this SBF thing, these interviews that are going on, Stephanopoulos did his thing where he kind of fucking... I mean, it's like sparring. Mm-hmm. It's not actual tough conversation. Uh, but the New York mm-hmm. Times just pretty much chugged his whole dong. You know what I mean? And then the Washington Post <laughs> wrote a puff st- piece about him today. Yeah. I don't understand this. <clears throat> like, I don't understand this. Wh- wh- why, why? What is their motivation for trying to give this guy a pass? Well, you've been a journalist for what? 30 years. Have you ever seen somebody's image like intentionally rehabilitated while they're in the middle of their crime like this before? I've never seen anything like this. I haven't either. I can't, I can't think that I have. No, so no, clearly, I, I clearly, there's something else going on behind the scenes, and obviously, we know about the political donations and everything else. Yep. But you know, we just read a tweet from uh, Maxine Waters uh, inviting him to speak to Congress uh, about the company and everything else, and it was like, why are you doing that in a tweet? Why isn't he indicted? Or you just subpoena him and have him show yeah. up? But you sending yeah. a tweet telling him uh, it was essentially thanking him for his openness. Uh, and uh, and willingness to to talk about what has happened, <laughs> and she said she animated in the tweet that it would be super helpful for the people who lost all that money for considering how candid he's really been. yes like yeah to forget about your twenty billion dollars you have empathy mm-hmm. that's all oh, you need God <laughs> yeah fuck? no no that's not going to make anybody feel better or help anybody if anything it makes me want to just. I'm sorry. It makes me want to punch him in the face and just pummel the guy. He's just so, he's just so strange and and clearly guilty of yeah. some really heavy shit. And and he makes you wonder about the tentacles of this thing. Mm. You know, let's remember, Maxine was a, a recipient of his donation. She's in a photograph, all chummy chummy with him. And so it just it does. It makes you wonder how far this thing goes. And who's then covering that up? But when the New York Times audience stands up and gives him a standing ovation, yeah. After him saying, "I really wish I had done a better job. I really messed up. I'm, I'm really, you know." This shoot. is the equivalent of when a college football program gets caught buying recruits and they self-report and then self-penalize first, hoping the NCAA doesn't come after them harder. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. That's, I'm, I'm going to sit out the is. Gator Bowl. Yeah, that's um, all this yeah. is. So maybe next year everything's fine. And yeah, Yeah. Uh, it's really odd. Would you ever interview Trump? Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, I would. I would. And and with all of it, with all that goes along with it, again, it's it helps you find out what you're made of as a journalist to take on a really challenging person like that. And I I just I've seen there have been some good interviews with him. 
I, I would just, I, it's like, I'd like to try my hand at that. I would love to see you try a hand at that because I think he's, I think he's more uh, gentler if that's a deferential is the yeah, word I would use, not uh, yeah, with, with women. And, mm. and I think somebody <laughs> like you, who he already respects, cause he's a, he's a big football guy. Um, mm -hmm. I think that would be the perfect interview. If you were, I, I'm sure if you just reached out, he would actually do it. Um, I'm sure he would. Yeah. In a second. <laughs> In a second. And if you're trying uh, to hide the about podcast, that. Michelle, I mean, that'd be a yeah. good guess for you right there. Um, so okay, you, you be my booker. <laughs> I, <laughs> we'll put the word in after the show for sure. I mean, we can. There we go. Thank yeah, you. We can ask his kids. Yeah, the kids have been on the yeah. show before. So oh, I have been, I've been in Laura's uh, podcast. Not not she's a step or yeah, excuse yeah. me, an in-law, I realize, <laughs> but I have done hers. She, you know what? She's a dark horse, though, politically. I'm, uh, she's from Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, I've got a place there, and uh, I could see her running eventually for Senate down in North Carolina. Yeah, she's yeah, a I great could see that too. Didn't she, didn't she think about that at one point? I, I thought she was close to throwing her hat in the ring at one point. There was point. rumblings, and I think the guy, I think it's uh, Richard Burr, Dick Burr, uh, was at his office a few months ago. Uh, he's retiring yeah. or on his way out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, I keep an eye out for It'd her. Be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I w yeah. Yeah. Uh, now's the point in the show. We get to the drinking bro of the week, which is someone who has inspired you or helped you become the person you are today. Who would you like to give the drinking bro or bro ed of the week to? Oh my gosh. Oh, it can be a bro ed. It can be anybody Anyone. living or dead, real living or, or fake. dead, real or fake. You could give it to yourself like Matthew McConaughey at the Oscars in 2015. Yes. You can do whatever the fuck you want. You could want. give it to that dog who wouldn't shut up before we got <laughs> on. Like, you know, whatever, whoever you want. All right. This is good. I, all these names and faces went through my head from my parents to my big brother to Fred Goodelli, the producer of Sunday Night Football, to Al Michaels, to John Matt. All these people went through my head. But I've got to say, and this is going to sound corny, it, it's my husband. And that's because I'm older than he is by seven and a half years. And he's taught me more than I could ever hope to teach him. He's he's the son of a coach and a really great mom. He's super smart and funny. And I he's put me in my place enough to know that I am really not as smart as I think I am a lot of the time. And we have forged and grown this family not through easy circumstances. We had a very hard time uh having a child. And then we adopted our second together from Bogota, Colombia, and went down there together for seven weeks with our little toddler boy and went through a lot of life-changing experiences. He's continuing to go through many life-changing experiences on his own now. And the support that we have for each other and the respect that we have for each other and the love of our family has really shaped me over the last 25 years into becoming a person who just wants to be better all the time and uh so i'm gonna give it to mark vandersall my husband there we go awesome. now cheers let me I, I just you mentioned bogota yeah and for our audience obviously we only think of one thing when we think of colombia <laughs> and that's cocaine t-dog yeah. did you guys dip into it just wants to be like man what's the hype you went on a what's fucking hype like? a bender to get your fucking second kid that's yeah, yeah. I, here's a funny story we were in cartagena at one point just we took a little foray there to, because we were in colombia for seven weeks so we went to cartagena for like four days and we're sitting poolside at this hotel and all of a sudden i noticed there are these americans 
there weren't that many of us down there. And I said, oh, you guys are from the States. And they go, yeah, we're, we're with the DEA. <laughs> <And> <laughs> about six weeks after we got back from Bogota, there was a massive drug bust in Cartagena. And we were like, those are our guys. Um, so, no, we did not go on a bender. Uh, but I will tell you the funny story. My daughter is very proud of her heritage. We told her from as young as she could understand that she was born in Colombia and she was Colombian. And and so she's she she's proud of it. And so when she was first starting to learn to read, we went to an, uh, some sort of post office or something to take passport photos. And she found a book that was sitting on this table about Colombia. And she's reading and she goes, Mommy, did you know that Colombia is the cocaine capital of the world? Yeah. Yeah. This little tiny voice in front of all these people. And I was like, <laughs> really, honey, that is marvelous. And she seemed so proud. You know, she, she didn't know what she was <clears> That's doing. really funny. It was great. Everybody's got to be proud of where they came from, okay? Absolutely. And Colombia, it's cocaine and soccer. And that's great. You've got it. And emeralds. And, and emeralds, too. Yeah, Well, they just right. got beat. Uh, Are they no, loose? That, I'm sorry, Brazil just got beat by Cameroon, but it was a yeah. meaning, okay. meaningless game. Okay, good. Good. At least there wasn't that, but uh, it is. It is. It, look, cocaine, soccer. She's coming from a great place, and uh, and I'm sure she'll do very well in life. You know, she's a good, good little soccer player. Is she really? You yeah, know that I'm one soccer of soccer and basketball. I'm yeah. one of the best in the biz. I coach my kids in soccer. Uh, do you now? Oh, you see these championship trophies behind me? Three in a row, Michelle. Three. <laughs> that is that is fantastic. I got three T dogs, so that way my kid, when he gets older and he start he starts losing and like high school and all that stuff, he'll look back at the best days of his life and remember Papa. Um, That's beautiful. Yeah, that actually that works. Yeah, that, that works. Don't sure does. don't moralize his self-aggrandizing <laughs> yeah. bullshit. There's nothing there. It's completely valid. And there, you know what's oh, weird is like I wanted nothing more than you to be on the sidelines after I just won this last championship a few weeks ago, and then ask me about how I got these kids, you know, to come together at eight years yeah. old and win. Yeah. And uh, and it's a great. How did you galvanize story. these children? Yeah. You know, why don't you invite me to the next championship, and I'll try to get there, and and hopefully you'll win, and then we can do the post game interview. It'll be I, next absolutely. October, I guess, right? Yeah, All of right. course. And then if you ask me my drinking bro of the week, obviously mm. it's going to be Tim Tebow. Through Christ, anything is possible. And he taught me that when my mom faked a make a wish, T Dog. That's what that's what happened. And Tim's a great guy. Should have gotten another start. All right, he won a playoff game. We should have treated him with more respect. You just keep you just keep drilling that home. Everyone will. Thank you. He's only 35. He's better than Russell Wilson. Let's oh, be yeah. honest. Leave the camera on her. Wait, no. Leave that, the camera just... on her. Yes or no? <laughs> Last question. <laughs> Who are you taking right now, Tebow or Russell Wilson? Uh, right now? Right this is moment? That's not fair. I haven't seen Tebow work out. I need to see him work out. <laughs> Tim Tebow never stops working out. He sure he does. He gave somebody true. brain surgery in the fucking Philippines. He sure And he's did. not even a doctor. Well. I, I just want to see him throw a little bit before I make that decision. Sure, yeah, we can make I that told, happen. I just told you two years ago, he was super accurate in my front yard. So it was awesome. He made me I get up. know more about this story. I, I got up out of my wheelchair and I walked again. <laughs> when Tebow walked up, I was like, oh my God. Like, that's how amazing that guy is, T-Dog. He's amazing. Get him on your podcast. Yes. Get him on your podcast. Speaking of which, uh, the podcast is called 
<laughs> sideline sanity with Michelle Tafoya and everybody. For a moment, sh- I've been wondering if I really was sane to come on here and talk to y'all, but no, it's, it's been awesome. Yo, you're the, you're dude. You're one of the best in the biz. They say don't meet your heroes. You're one of them, and you lived up to the hype, Michelle. Oh my gosh, I don't know about that, but you it, did. This was a blast. This is maybe the most fun I've ever had on a podcast, and mm. that's saying something. I'm gonna clip that, and that's going on my Instagram on repeat. Okay, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> okay. and we're gonna send that shit you said about Russell Wilson straight to the Denver Broncos. Yeah, right to Sierra right now. George Payton <laughs> is a friend of mine. Don't do that. Ah, we, yeah. we we may and we may not uh, <laughs> no, because of what Tim did for me. I'll probably spare you on this one. Uh, Put your halo on. Yep. Shine sure it up and think about who you really are. <laughs> <laughs> I sure will. Uh, thank you for being here. Download Michelle's podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts. Best in the biz. Thank you for your time today. For D'Anthony, D'Anthony Holloway, I'm Ross Patterson. This is the Drinking Bros Podcast. Good night, everyone. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.